This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. An update from St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox on the state of coronavirus infections and the response from WSBT 22's First in the Morning this past Monday. More mask mandates for schools are happening in our area. We have South Bend, Plymouth, and starting today, Mishawaka and Goshen schools. I know PHM, the school board is meeting tonight. There's no guarantee they'll revisit their mask optional policy, but have you talked to any board members since their mask optional decision was made? So my interaction's been with the PHM administration. So I meet with them regularly and met with them several times last week. I've offered to meet with the board because um, they've expressed some you know, confusion about the metrics or to really help them understand what the different metrics reflect. Um, but to this point, my conversations have been with the administration. When you talk to the administration, do you feel like a change could be coming? I think there's a lot of interest in trying to get masks in there somewhere. And I think whether it's stratified by grades or by the, the color-coded metrics, I think that's what they're struggling with to find the right place to intervene. Now, if we see any fallout from being mask optional, that's going to start this week. I would think, yeah, with, you know, PHM started classes last Wednesday, so we certainly could be see, see it as soon as now or over, you know, over the course of this week, we could see impact from it. The Elkhart County Health Officer has come out with strong recommendations for schools and businesses to mandate masks. Will the St. Joseph County Health Department implement the same wording? Yeah, we've been pretty consistent in our recommendation, certainly as far as schools go. We haven't... We have endorsed the idea that, that certainly unvaccinated individuals ought to mask in enclosed public spaces. Given where we are, we're supportive of the CDC recommendation that everyone should be. That's a little tougher sell. But again, um, ultimately, it's going to be a question of what the council and the commissioners decide. So uh, we have not put forward a formal recommendation to them to do anything on a county level at this point. Will you talk to the council about a possible mandate if numbers don't improve? You know, I think our numbers are headed in the wrong direction. Our hospital numbers are getting worse. They're not horrible, and uh, and it's not COVID that's creating a threat for our hospitals. I think there are other staffing and trauma and other things that contribute to that. But we certainly have seen a steady increase in COVID cases in the hospitals, so that's something that that infrastructure is going to be critical, and that may be the tipping point for us. Where does our county stand in terms of hospitalizations and new cases this morning? So to look back at early July, we our COVID hospitalizations were down in the single digits, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. It's gone to the teens, to the 20s, and we've been in the mid-30s in the county here over the last week or so. Okay. Our, can our hospitals handle that? You said there are some other issues, and I know the right, nursing so shortage we're seeing. The nursing shortage creates huge challenges. This time of summer, trauma, motorcycle, you know, car and motor vehicle accidents and, and boating accidents, things like all sorts of summertime injuries that land. Uh, it's a tough time of year because of that. COVID hasn't been the main driver of, you know, hospital bed availability to this point. You know, we don't have a huge pediatric census yet, but you look across the region, there's a limited number of pediatric beds and 
with Delta variant, we're seeing a higher proportion of kids infected who wind up in the hospital. So that's kind of got everyone on pins and needles because with schools back, full capacity, and no masks, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, some people think, well, you know, I'm vaccinated. I made the choice to be vaccinated. I should be able to live my life. And these other adults have made the choice not to get vaccinated. So they should have to face the consequences. And, you know, if they get sick, they get sick. But why is that a bad way to look at it? We know the vaccines will protect, you know, the individual against bad outcomes like hospitalization and death. But the real problem with people being unvaccinated is it creates a, a reservoir of susceptible people that allows variants to propagate. It increases the risk to people who are vaccinated just because there's more activity in the community and certainly creates a, a much greater risk for the people who aren't even yet eligible. So the, the kids under age 12 that aren't yet eligible, um, they're threatened by the fact that adults and others in their lives who choose not to be vaccinated uh, increase their risk. Real quick question about booster shots. If you get it before the eight months after your second shot, is there any danger to that? Doesn't seem to be any, any downside to that, but um, the recommendations that have come out recently are people with immunocompromising conditions should get a third shot. So technically it's not a booster. It's saying, you know, if someone today with cancer were getting the vaccine for the first time, their starting regimen would be three doses, essentially each a month apart. For the rest of us, at eight months after we're fully vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna, the plan is to introduce boosters. The hope is that the boosters actually can be tailored more specifically against the variants. So the three shot regimen for immunocompromised people will be the same shot each time. The boosters technically after eight months have the opportunity to be more tailored. Dr. Mark Fox from this past Monday on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Monday evening after Dr. Fox's appearance, the Penn-Harris-Madison School Board joined South Bend and Mishawaka to require students and staff to wear masks at all times inside school buildings. They cited continuing increases in COVID infections due to the Delta variant, as well as data showing 19 infections and 125 close contacts in a three-day period the previous week. School Board President Chris Riley said in-person school with masks is much preferable over going back to all virtual schooling. PHM, South Bend, Mishawaka, Goshen, Plymouth and Michigan City schools are all requiring full-time face masks inside school buildings. After months of deliberation, the city of South Bend has a new deal for an amended Clean Water Act consent decree. The Department of Justice, the EPA, and the State Department of Environmental Management are all involved in the agreement. It'll bring a new smart waste management system to the city that will reduce harmful bacteria in the St. Joseph River and keep water and sewer rates significantly lower for residents. South Bend Public Works Director Eric Horvath says it's a win for the city and the environment. The previous plan that was signed in 2011 uh, was good for the environment, but it was an unaffordable plan that simply is going to bankrupt the city. The new agreement carries a price tag around $400 million, which saves the city over $400 million more. 
At the start of summer, local blood banks were preparing for a summer shortage. Now, as summer wanes, those same blood banks have a new worry on their hands. With the Delta variant surging across the country, the need for blood is rising as well. At the South Bend Medical Foundation, they're taking an incentivized approach to get more donations. Since the start of the summer, the South Bend Medical Foundation hasn't seen as many donors as needed to keep up with the demand for blood. It's really a week by week. Um, we've struggled up and down with various blood types going up and down. So we're still uh, needing blood. We're still seeing a shortage um, here and nationwide. Add in the fact that the Delta variant is on the increase and an already strong need for blood just got stronger. There are some treatments that are required for people that are have COVID in the hospitals. We've seen a usage with plasma and also uh, platelets and red cells. So Ann Crapp and her staff decided it was time to get creative. With demand for blood rising, they turned to incentives to get people in the door and willing to donate, especially ahead of the Labor Day weekend. We are running a special promo until September 5th to kind of help us out before the holiday weekend because we often see increases during that time and then we see less donors coming in. All donors coming in will receive a $15 Mimos pizza gift certificate along with their choice of a $10 Martins or Hacienda gift card. And so far the incentives are working. We started this on Sunday. Uh, Sunday we just do platelet donations but yesterday we uh, had a full schedule so it was awesome response to that. Now currently all blood types are needed, in particular the three rarest types, which are O positive, O negative, and A positive. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. It's the start of the school year for local universities and businesses are getting a much needed boost as students and parents hit town last weekend for move-in. Some of the other week, big weekends include home football games and graduation but move-in tends to pack a punch for the local economy. It was difficult finding staples, which is random, and a few other like random things, but for the most part, we got everything. Notre Dame students are back on campus for the new school year, and businesses are excited about the green and gold. Move-in weekend carries a little bit extra punch because not only are people staying in restaurants, or I'm sorry, eating in restaurants, staying in hotels, but they're also, uh, you know, uh, outfitting their dorms. They're getting their apartments ready. Uh, mom and dad are trying to leave with a refrigerator full of food. The Chamber of Commerce CEO Jeff Ray says a home football weekend can bring the local economy around $20 million. But move-in weekend is well above that. Because sometimes starting college is all about getting the perfect item. Fun story, I needed a very specific size fridge for my dorm and um, only one fridge fit the exact description of what I wanted, and they had one left in Three Rivers, Michigan. Restaurant owners got a taste of normalcy after a year that was impacted by the pandemic, but Mark McDonald with LaSalle Hospitality says many are still dealing with a labor shortage. Very good, a very strong weekend for sales. Uh, it could have been stronger uh, had we had a full staff, uh, we do not yet. As move-in weekend ends, now the real work begins. I don't know, I'm kind of nervous about class, like about how difficult it's going to be and getting all my stuff ready. All students and staff were required to get the coronavirus vaccine. Anyone that isn't fully vaccinated is required to have coronavirus surveillance testing weekly throughout the fall semester. WSBT 22's Ronnie Das reporting. 
Economic leaders from three southwest Michigan counties are still looking for answers. Business owners are struggling to find employees. Some owners tell us they either have no applicants or people just don't show up for interviews. Increased wages, signing bonuses, and more are among the incentives being offered to try and get those who have been out of work for months back into the workforce. I wish I had a better answer for you. Answers for where workers in the Southwest Michigan area right now are scarce. For Lily Brewer, the executive director of the Michigan Works Program, she's trying all sorts of approaches to get people back in businesses. The approach that I'm taking as the executive director of Michigan Works is trying to push out as much Michigan Works Services information out there so that people know that they can be supported the minute they want to re-engage. The frustrations have been building for months as Brewer and her team continue to try and get the employment numbers to improve in Southwest Michigan. And they say the time to re-engage is now. This is an outstanding opportunity if you are looking to get back in the workplace, if you are someone who's been out of the workforce, or if you are a young person looking to build your resume and build your career. For businesses like Pizza Transit and Niles, a new trend is popping up that's been dubbed professional ghosting. For those unfamiliar with the term, transit manager Clay Skagen explains. People fill those applications, we call them to get the interview, they accept the interview, and then the day it meets, they just fall short and then you know, try to contact them. They don't have any response back. So it's just like, on to the next one. Pizza Transit has been offering increased wages for a while now, but are still having trouble bringing people in. Skagen hopes that unemployment benefits nearing the end will bring in some new workers. I know that we do offer 12 to 13, depending on your skill level, because depending on where you go, could offer more than, say, someone else that's half or not so much, then you get more benefit, you can work when you want and so forth. As we first reported last week, extra federal unemployment benefits are set to end September 4th in Michigan and Indiana. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. Construction is now underway on a new walking and biking path on the near northwest side of South Bend. The first phase of the Coal Line Trail will run from Lincoln Way West north to Wilbur Street, then northeast under Portage Avenue to Riverside Drive. The name comes from a coal supply rail line that used to run on the trail. The trail will include new lighting benches, a bike shelter, and repair station. Construction on this phase is set to be complete by the end of this year. The second part of the project will link Riverside to Angela using an abandoned railroad bridge over the St. Joseph River. That step is expected to happen next year. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM. WSBT.